Parkview community. I hope you are all doing well. My name is Jamini Patel and I am a nephrology medical science liaison with Otsuka Pharmaceutical Development and Commercialization Inc. Today I am joined by Dr. Fahad Aziz and we're going to be discussing the patient's journey through kidney transplantation. Dr. Aziz is an associate professor in the Division of Nephrology within the Department of Medicine at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, where he also serves as the program director for the Nephrology Fellowship. As a clinical nephrologist, Dr. Aziz cares for patients living with a wide range of kidney diseases and disorders, including renal transplant recipients. In addition to certification in the practice of internal medicine and nephrology, he holds hypertension specialist certification from the American Society of Hypertension. Dr. Aziz is a member of the American College of Physicians, the American Society of Nephrology, and the American Society of Transplantation, and has presented clinical research at national medical conferences at both the ASN and AST Professional, professional Society scientific meetings. As a medical educator, he has provided classroom instruction topics in nephrology to physician assistant students and nephrology fellows, as well as continuing medical education presentations to clinicians. Dr. Aziz, thank you so much for joining us today. We're really excited to be having this conversation with you. Thank you very much, Germany, for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to just get right into it. So today's topic, like I mentioned, is really discussing the patient's journey through kidney transplantation, which I think a lot of people, especially a lot of providers, kind of have a surface level overview of. But can you describe to us, how do you begin to discuss the option of a kidney transplant with patients? So I will start uh, with that. You know, chronic kidney disease itself have uh, five stages. Um, so when the patients, uh, you know, get to GFR of 20 or less than 20, that's the point where a referral for kidney transplantation should be made. Uh, most of the patients usually require hemodialysis or, or peritoneal dialysis or any other form of renal replacement therapy when their GFRs are, are, are 15 or less than 15. So we kind of give a question of like five. Uh, so the transplant evaluation usually start with the GFR of 20 uh, so that you know the patients in an ideal world should get a transplant before they start on any kind of any kind of uh, dialysis. Yeah, certainly. I can imagine that that conversation can kind of hit patients, you know, from left field sometimes, especially if they are not used to, you know, the idea of a transplant or if they're only, you know, used to hemodialysis kind of running in their family, if that's what, you know, their parents were on or if that's what their grandparents were receiving. And I can imagine that going through the transplant qualification process is quite daunting. And many of us don't really understand everything that's involved. Can you describe the initial steps for a patient to really qualify for a transplant and how long that can take, as well as the barriers that patients can really face during this process? So, uh, so Gemini, um, the kidney disease itself, you know, the kidney failure is not compatible with life. Uh, so if somebody develops kidney failure, it means they need some sort of renal replacement therapy to keep them alive. And there are several kinds of renal replacement therapies, which include several different kinds of, of dialysis. But the best form of renal replacement therapy is, is transplant. And that's for two reasons. Number one, the transplant prolongs the life of the people. And number two, the transplant provides a better quality of the patients. Um, if, if somebody stay on hemodialysis, the mortality is fairly high. 
Uh, as per one survey, 22 patients, 22% of the patient died within three months after the start of hemodialysis. 44% of the patient died within six months after the initiation of hemodialysis. And close to 60% patients die within one year after the initiation of hemodialysis. So hemodialysis carries very high, high mortality. Uh, that's why the transplant is the best form of uh, renal replacement therapy. And, and that's the reason, you know, when people develop chronic kidney disease stage four, which means when their GFR is less than 30, our discussion usually started between, starts between, you know, the, the general nephrology and, and their, their patients about the different forms of renal replacement therapy. And at this point, you know, the, 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 the initial discussion of kidney transplantation come in play. And usually we start taking the referral when the kidney function is close to 20. Um, and, and it takes time. And that's the reason uh, the early referral is always recommended, you know, when somebody is approaching a GFR of 20, it means they would, they would be needing some sort of renal replacement therapy soon. So at that's the point, that's the point where they should make a referral for, for kidney transplant. Um, the kidney transplant itself, you know, have different, you know, types of transplant and that's what will determine the, the, the waiting time for the patients. If somebody has a living donor transplant, uh, living donor available, and the transplant can happen very fairly soon within, within a matter of actually a few months. However, if they have to go on the list to get a kidney, then the over kidney transplant system work on different kinds of blood groups. Uh, for example, for blood group O, the waiting time range between somewhere between five to six years after activation of the patient from the wait list. On the other hand, if somebody has a blood group A, then the waiting time would somewhere between two to three years. So depending upon the blood group, they have different kind of uh, waiting uh, waiting period for the patients. So early we start this this process, the better it is. Um, and I think the, the problem is is, uh, is 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 you know is educating over patients as well as our general nephrologists is the transplant stay uh, the best form of renal replacement therapy, uh, which can improve patient mortality as well as their 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 um, their lifestyle. You make an excellent point and bring, you know, bring up something really interesting. I never personally knew that your blood group could determine your waitlist time. Can you expand on how patients make it to a kidney transplant waiting list? Do all patients referred for a kidney transplant qualify to make it on the list? Or is there, you know, a, 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 a process by which they're accepted onto the list or denied. Uh, so, so this, this is a, there's an extensive uh, process before we really list the patients for for the transplant. So, everyone who is referred to us for for a kidney transplant has to undergo an extensive uh, workup. Uh, we have to make sure about a few things. Most importantly, you know, how is their heart function look like? Uh, is their heart is strong enough to undergo a surgery, a big surgery like kidney transplantation? So they have a they have a huge uh, transplant evaluation. This evaluation process also include our nutritionists, you know, who look into the nutrition of patients. Uh, we look into diabetic control of the patients if they have diabetes. Uh, we look into their compliance with their dialysis treatment if they are on dialysis. Um, and also at this point, you know, we also over social workers uh, make psych evaluations for our patient to make sure that uh, our patients are um, are fit to undergo this whole uh, uh, surgery. And then after surgery, you know, can keep a close follow-up uh, with us. Um, and as you know, the kidney is a very precious uh, organ. Uh, more than 100,000 
people right now at this moment are waiting to get a kidney transplant. And out of those patients, you know, if we look at the last year number, only 42,000 patients got a kidney transplant throughout the country. Uh, so there's a huge uh, gap between the organ, uh, organ, uh, you know, supply and and demand. Now, as a result, the patients have to wait along, and these are precious organs, and we want to make sure that we 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 make the best use of uh, these organs. Um, so when the patients uh, qualify through over 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 evaluation process, and we make them active on the list, um, then they have to wait for their kidney to come in, and during this waiting time, we also have a close watch on them. We usually follow with them every year with different kind of testing, including cardiac testing to make sure that the heart stay in good shape to undergo this extensive surgery. So it's definitely a very involved process. And I mean, you mentioned earlier, the wait, li- wait time on the list is, is quite long. And, you know, in the literature, we've, we've read that the average wait list time for a kidney transplant is about five years. And with, you know, that information you presented about how how you know detrimental hemodialysis really can be to mortality. You know, I can imagine a lot of people unfortunately die waiting for a kidney transplant. How do you emotionally prep a patient for not only the potentially long wait time, but even the possibility that they may not even receive a kidney transplant? Yeah, so I will I will go over some some more numbers here. I think those numbers are extremely important, and our patients need to be aware of those numbers. Uh, if I look in 2014, you know, statistics, you know, there were 4,000 patients who died uh, while waiting for getting a kidney transplant active on the wait list, and another 3,000 patients were made inactive on the list because they got too sick to undergo uh, a surgery. I think the most important thing here is to to look at the bigger picture. Uh, because the transplant is still stay the, the, the best form of renal replacement therapy. Um, and, and as our job as a nephrologist are, is to keep them in a good shape, uh, both from their heart health point of view and, and overall their, their general health uh, during this rough period when they're waiting to get, a, to get a kidney. On the other hand, for the patients, it's also very important to understand, I know it's, it's a long waiting time and I know it can be, um, they have to be very patient with that. Um, but if we look at the bigger picture, um, that then you know they can they can have a better life quality after the transplant. Uh, I think that hope, uh, which matters the most, um, they're going to means if they stay on the list and then they get a kidney transplant, they're definitely going to change their whole life. So that's extremely important. I think that ray of hope um, is very important to maintain that hope in over patients. You know, while they're undergoing um, their their regular hemodialysis or any other, any other form of dialysis. No, that's very important to mention. I think that hope is incredibly important to maintaining a positive outlook for our patients and making sure that they're able to kind of get through, like you mentioned, that that rough period. Do you often see anxiety and even some depression in your pre-transplant patients? Because I can imagine, certainly if I were on the list, I'd feel a lot of those emotions and, and that emotional whirlwind. Do you See a lot of that in your patients and how do you, I mean, address that? Because hope is, is fantastic and can help you get through a lot of that. But sometimes with anxiety and depression can be really hard to hang on to that to get you through those tough times. Uh, absolutely. You know, um, if, uh, if we look a few, uh, few, few decades back, you know, 
the kidney failure is kind of a death sentence for our patients. You know, if, if you tell someone that your kidneys are failing, it's almost telling them that they, they have a limited time in this world. Uh, but with the advancement in technology, um, science and technology, you know, we have now opportunities where we have much more improvement in, in dialysis as well as we can offer, offer transplant. Um, however, it's, it's still the same. You know, if you some, tell someone that the kidney is failing and they need some sort of renal replacement therapy, it's a lot of stress for our patients um, and, and which include, you know, lead to both anxiety as well as, as depression. I think at, at this point, you know, there's a very important role from general nephrologists, you know, uh, who have to sit with those patients, you know, um, make them see the big picture here and, and you know, uh, and, and cope with, with those uh, important, you know, um, important things. Uh, the problem is that if the patients stay, you know, have a stress and anxiety and depression, uh, then their health will go down. And as a result, they may not be a good candidate for, for the kidney transplant. Uh, so whenever we make somebody active on the list, we as a center, as a transplant center, not only keep an eye on their mental health, but we also uh, urge the you know, general nephrologists to, to, to regularly screen our patients you know, for those uh, diseases. And if they, if they find somebody you know, having a depression going on, an anxiety going on, to act more quickly and, and take care of them. And usually there are a lot of you know, um, psychotherapies that are available, there are a lot of medications available, which can help our patients to, to, to deal with those stressors uh, during that wait time. Certainly, certainly. Is, and this is just a question out of curiosity as I'm not familiar with this. Is psychiatry a part of the, pre, the transplant qualification process or is that more of a reactive if you have a patient experiencing depression, anxiety, then they might be referred to psychiatry situation? So we do not have um, an actual uh, like full psychiatric evaluation, uh, but our social workers are capable of having initial uh, psychiatric screen, you know, for us. And if there's any red flags, which are telling telling us that the patients may have, uh, you know, depression or may have anxiety disorder, then we usually make a referral uh, to the psychiatrist to, to to get a formal evaluation. And usually we also get the information from their, their dialysis units and the nurses from the dialysis unit, because they spend so much time with their patients, they're very good in telling us overall their, 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 psych, their psychiatric health. Yeah, you bring up a great point. I think social workers are imperative to our health system, especially to our, our nephrology patients, because they really do have that expertise to get to know the patient on a deeper level, to talk about some of those emotions and work through them, and then being able to kind of liaise between other healthcare specialties to kind of get them the help that they need. So you bring up a really good point about kind of tapping into the strengths of social workers and how important they are. And I want to kind of switch gears now, you know, to post-transplant uh, recipients. So you have a patient who's received a, a kidney transplant, be it a deceased donor or a living donor transplant. And I feel like on the outside, many of us think that, you know, patients now have a new lease on life, that somehow any of the anxiety or depression or stress that they've been feeling somehow just magically disappear. But it doesn't seem to really be the case when you kind of talk to different physicians about this, what has been your experience with how patients not only emotionally process having received a transplant, but how they begin to contend with a completely new lifestyle? Yeah, so, so the, after the transplant, uh, um, I totally agree with you. There's a different um, uh, lifestyle after that. Um, just imagine, you know, uh, it's a big surgery. They have to undergo a surgery. 
And then after that, they have to be on certain medications, which are called immunosuppressant, uh, to suppress their immune system, uh, to protect it, the, their, their kidney. These are great medications, but they do have their own side effects. They can have their, their you know, they can have uh, patients develop tremors after transplant because the side effect of those medications, they're high risk of developing diabetes, a lot of GI side effects from these medications and, and, and receiving high doses of steroids after transplant, you know, they, they may have to face through insomnia or, or steroid induced anxiety. So definitely, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big uh, change for their life. Um, and, and we usually tell people that, you know, it's going to take, you know, a few months after transplant uh, when they really start feeling at their baseline and even better than what they were feeling before the transplant. And sometimes, for even for a few people, it takes even longer time to get their body adjusted to a new kidney as well as to the new uh, to the new me medications. So this is a very crucial time because the, the kid the high, there's a high risk of rejection within one year after the kidney transplantation. So for those patients, you know, we usually keep a very close watch on them, and not only to their kidney function but also how they're coping with this uh, this whole process, and and giving them a hope that you know this is going to end soon. And, and most of the time, what happens is that as, the, as the, the, the doses of the medications come down after transplant, most of the side effects will disappear. Um, so we usually you know, encourage people that these, even if they're experiencing any of those side effects, they usually to stay usually up to six months or maybe even up to one year. Uh, but overall, you know, getting a kidney itself is a big blessing uh, because you know, that's going to in, improve their mortality and also will let them go back to like, live like a normal person. Uh, without any support from any dialysis machine. So people definitely feel much better when they're not going to, to, to a dialysis unit three times a day uh, and they can, they, can, they can have their own schedule. Um, so I think uh, overall the anxiety and depression goes down after transplant, but it does not disappear. We just need to get our patients ready for, for all this new kind of you know, lifestyle they, they, they would be living after the transplant. Yeah, and I can imagine that having a strong support system at home or wherever the patient lives with caregivers is absolutely crucial to that journey. You know, do you see that patients who have a strong support system with caregivers who are involved tend to be more successful with their transplant compared to patients who may not be so fortunate to have that? Uh, no, absolutely. I mean, support persons are extremely important in, in the transplant world. So that's the reason during our evaluation process, you know, uh, everyone is asked to get their support person with them. Uh, we just want to make sure that, you know, when they're ready to go home, they have somebody they can, um, you know, who is on their back, who can take care of them. Um, and people definitely do much better, you know, when they have a, a, a support system available uh, in their home. Uh, we are always available for them, but we do want a good support system in, in their home. And, and, you know, with all those different kind of medications facing different kind of side effects, it's extremely important that they have a good support system in their homes. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Thank you so much for sharing. Well, Dr. Aziz, that brings us to the end of our conversation. Thank you so much for that insightful discussion. We really appreciate your expertise and time. I certainly learned a lot and hopefully this conversation helps not only patients, but their caregivers and providers to also better understand the really complicated journey of receiving a kidney transplantation. Uh, so we really thank you very much for your time today. Thank you very much for having me.
um, it's an important discussion, and I think it's 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 the point that we have to spread this knowledge out. Yeah, thank you so much. I totally agree. Thank you so much to our nephew community for listening in. We really hope you enjoyed this discussion as much as we did and learned something from it as well. Uh, take care. Thank you.